0: This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Westport Fuel Systems second quarter 2020 conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there'll be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. Should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and zero. I would now like to turn the conference over to Sean Saberson with Alpha Direct Advisors, Westport's Investor Relations Representative. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Westport Fuel Systems' second quarter conference call, which is being held to coincide with the press release containing Westport Fuel Systems' financial results that was distributed yesterday. On today's call, speaking on behalf of Westport Fuel Systems is Chief Executive Officer David Johnson and Chief Financial Officer Richard Orzetti. Attendance on this call is open to the public and to media, but questions will be restricted to the investment community. You are reminded that certain statements made in this conference call and our responses to various questions may constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of the U.S. and applicable Canadian securities laws, and as such, forward-looking statements are made based on our current expectations and involve certain risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially from those projected in the forward-looking statements, so you are cautioned not to place undue reliance on those statements. Information obtained in this conference call is subject to and qualified in its entirety by information obtained in the company's public filings. I'll now turn the call over to David. David?
2: Thank you, Sean. Good morning, everyone. I sincerely hope that all of you and your loved ones are healthy and well and that you're finding some time to enjoy the summer. Since we updated you with our Q1 results in early May, there have been strong signals for a green recovery in multiple jurisdictions around the world and associated stimulus spending to build a better, more resilient, and low-carbon economy. I believe in a green recovery presents a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to transform our transportation systems so that we can sustainably move people and freight. And I'm confident that we have an important role to play. At Westport Fuel Systems, we've developed, validated, and built solutions that are in production for sale in 70 countries, and are being used around the world to enable net-zero carbon transportation. Following our COVID shutdown, our teams have safely and effectively resumed operations at all of our global locations. While revenue was significantly impacted in Q2 due to these shutdowns and those of our customers around the world, I'm pleased to report our net income was positive and improvement versus the same period last year. Our team has shown resilience and has been steadfast in their efforts to remain nimble in response to this difficult time. I'm particularly proud of the significant efforts we've made and the results we've achieved to improve liquidity since the start of the year. And I'm equally proud of the incredible efforts made by our team members to take care of each other during COVID, safely return to work, and to respond to our customers throughout the shutdown and recovery periods. The COVID-19 global pandemic continues to have far-reaching ripple effects. The surge in coronavirus cases in the US and elsewhere has analysts closely watching recovery-related indicators. And while a high degree of uncertainty remains, we do see bright spots on the horizon. Our business is heavily focused in Europe, China, and India, and it's in those markets we're starting to see some promising green sheets of optimism. COVID-19 has put many aspects of our life on hold, but the need for action on climate change remains pressing. As the economy ramps back up, increased online transactions means increased demand for commercial trucking, but government regulators around the world are holding firm on the requirements for reduced CO2 emissions. Air quality improvements during the lockdown brought new focus to the public health discussion and the benefits of deploying cleaner mobility technologies. I'll talk more about each market shortly, but first I'd like to share some top line financial results. Our second quarter results directly reflect the impact of COVID-19 related customer shutdowns, which began in China in January, spread to Europe in March, and then North America in April. Revenue decreased to $36 million from 82.4 million in the same period last year, due to the impact of COVID-19 and the various shutdowns in all our business segments. Net income was 3 million, compared to a net loss from continuing operations of 2.3 million for the same period in 2019. This 5.3 million year-over-year improvement resulted from a $7.7 million insurance recovery recorded in the current quarter, which was related to the $10 million field service campaign expense we recorded in the first quarter of this year. We also lowered operating expenses and benefited from a foreign exchange gain compared to the second quarter of 2019. As you've heard, we've been hard at work to shore off our balance sheet, strengthen liquidity, and reduce our cost of capital to weather the difficult market conditions brought on by COVID-19. Since the beginning of the year, we announced over $50 million in liquidity improvements with new debt facilities totaling $32.9 million. We also deferred $6 million in principal payments due in 2020 refinanced our convertible notes with the Cartesian Group, extending the maturity and reducing the coupon rate. We're also participating in government wage subsidies and other support programs, netting a cumulative benefit of $3.8 million in the second quarter. We continue to focus on cost reduction, disciplined cash management, and supporting our global team and their communities as we navigate this recovery period and respond to ramping customer demand for our products. As our customers, partners, and suppliers return to production, There have been many questions about the impact of the downturn on our industry in various markets. The European Commission is striving for climate neutrality by 2050, which represents both a big challenge and a big opportunity. Carbon neutrality in transportation will only be possible with policies that account for the use of renewable gases like biomethane. Natural gas together with biomethane are a great example of the potential for a circular economy linking mobility with renewable energy and agriculture. In Europe, the current uptake of biomethane points to an increasing share of renewable gas in the near term to decarbonize the transportation sector. Projections are that by 2030, 40% biomethane will be available to power the entire natural gas fleet, reducing overall greenhouse gas emissions by 55% and delivering up to 1 million jobs. The timeline for creating the CO2 baseline for commercial vehicle emissions concluded on June 30th of this year. Now the race is on to achieve the goals and avoid the financial penalties which come into effect in 2025. As a multitude of regulations and policy frameworks have been introduced in the EU, national and local levels, keeping it on top of a rapidly evolving landscape can be a challenge, but the message is clear. Europe wants a big change, and they want it right away. Stimulus packages may benefit the growing refueling infrastructure for gaseous fuels, and we see increasing demand for transportation solutions that reduce emissions as much as possible, as quickly as possible. Converting to natural gas can provide much-needed cost relief to operators who are struggling to recover from the impact of COVID-19 on their businesses, which in turn may help keep costs down for consumers. As of last month, Europe reached a milestone with the installation of its 300th LNG station, and CNG stations now number nearly 3,900. The LNG refueling infrastructure in Europe has almost doubled in just the last two years. The growth in the market has been driven by the new EU heavy duty CO2 regulations and the increasing availability of LNG in Europe. This has been a multi-year journey and we believe there's more runway. We need emissions reductions in all sectors to achieve our climate targets. Heavy duty vehicle manufacturers must provide solutions for a range of applications and they currently lack another climate friendly solution that is market ready and suitable for large scale production. Our products are not a test or an experimental phase. They are mainstream for sale and in use around the world today, and we believe they're an important part of an economic recovery in many markets. Even modest market share growth of vehicles that use our technologies will make a significant impact on our revenues and profitability. In Italy, one of the most important alternative fuel markets in Europe, we're seeing encouraging signs of recovery for our light duty business. For the overall Italian market in June, new vehicle LPG and CNG registrations are progressing towards pre-COVID levels. In some regions, CNG vehicles make up more than 12 percent of the total number of light-duty cars on the road. The Italian government is preparing a new stimulus package targeted in part at the automotive sector. Indications are that this package may include nearly $1 billion to strengthen current incentives to encourage sales of state-of-the-art combustion engine cars. There are few details as to the specifics of these incentives, but we believe this is another positive note for the light duty business. On the heavy duty side of our business, we also see positive support for natural gas vehicles in Europe. Since the start of 2019, natural gas fuel trucks in Germany have been exempt from road toll charges, which can save 10,000 euro per year, per vehicle in operating costs. This incentive structure has now been extended into 2023. As we reported last quarter, our Weichai Westport joint venture has completed all the emissions testing with the Chinese Ministry of Ecology and the environment and the Chinese Ministry of Industry. We await the conclusion of the final paperwork for certifications so we can begin commercial sales. The long-term potential of HPDI in China, the largest natural gas commercial vehicle market in the world, remains compelling. We have a great partner, a great product, and a large market to serve, and we look forward to ramping up sales in this important market in due course. We're working to grow our business in India. The market fundamentals are strong with widespread fuel availability government support, and compelling economics. While local shutdowns continue in affected areas and the impact operations of some of our OEMs, our operations in India are open for business. We already have a leadership position in India's natural gas passenger car market with a strong base of OEM customers, including Tata Motors, Mahindra Mahindra, Maruti Suzuki, Piaggio, and others. We have completed more than 20 engine development projects to bring our customers CNG engines up to the new Bharat Standard 6, which were adopted on April 1st of this year. The Barat Standard 6 emission standards, which affect all vehicles from motorcycles to heavy trucks, culminated a massive effort over the past four years to upgrade vehicles to meet these standards. Prior to this, India adhered to BS4 regulations, which were equivalent to the Euro 4 standards that were in place in 2005 in Europe. India skipped the whole BS5 generation, and now at BS6 is equivalent to European standards, a dramatic reduction in NOx and particular matter emissions that will improve air quality in the Indian subcontinent. We're seeing strong growth for CNG vehicles and even a burgeoning interest in RNG resources to fuel this market. CNG vehicles are attractive in the Indian market with most OEMs offering multiple vehicles powered by CNG because of the fuel price difference versus gasoline and diesel. CNG fueling infrastructure is growing with over 1,700 stations in place today and expected to double the 3,500 stations by 2023 and then on to 10,000 stations by 2030. We're pleased with the progress we've made on the new BS6 products in India, and believe there's strong growth potential for us there. There continues to be much interest around hydrogen vehicles in recent months, and I want to share a few of my thoughts. While hydrogen faces many of the same challenges that natural gas vehicles faced 10 to 15 years ago, the appeal of a net zero emissions technology is undeniable and presents a compelling long-term option for our future. We, along with others like Iveco and Scania, have spent the better part of a decade Successfully tackling similar heavy duty vehicle obstacles as what we see in the hydrogen market today. A lack of fueling infrastructure, the challenge to efficiently produce hydrogen, a substantial incremental vehicle cost, and scaling up of vehicle production. Hydrogen fuel cell vehicle sales remain low in volume, expensive to produce, and restricted to sales in a few countries or regions that have built hydrogen fueling stations. That said, progress has been steady. As I said earlier, this story is familiar to many of us who have been around this industry for a while. We already participate in the hydrogen market across all transportation applications, and we continue to make investments in this opportunity. We sell hydrogen components engineered in Canada and manufactured at our facility in Italy to customers like Plug Power, Ballard, and OEMs and their tier one suppliers. Hydrogen is a modest fraction of our revenues today, but that's because the global use of fuel cells is relatively small. We believe hydrogen fuel cells have a place in the market when predicted growth of in adoption happens, we're poised to take advantage of that potential. While we support efforts for innovative technologies to reach marketability and critical industrial scale production, we must take advantage of today's solutions or risk higher costs to our global environment. And that solution is HPDI. In Q2, we prepared our 2019 Environmental, Social and Governance Report. Our companies evolved through the combination of several environmental startups and we've always been committed to ensuring that the way we do business has a positive impact on our people, the environment, and the communities in which we work and live. I want to share just a few highlights from our report. All of our Italian facilities are certified as having met the international standards ISO 14001 for environmental management systems, as is our technology center in Vancouver. This certificate is evidence of our commitment to develop, design, test, assemble engines and fuel system components that meet or exceed the expectations of our OEM partners and customers and formalizes the effective environmental practices and processes at our facilities. We also launched a new code of conduct in support of our ongoing efforts to ensure our global diverse workforce is empowered to do the right thing for the right reason and in the right way. Over 95% of our employees completed the training on our new code of conduct. And this year we achieved gender parity on our board of directors. We continue to be committed to delivering financial results and care just as much about the way in which we achieve those results. So I encourage you to read more about our efforts in the report on our website when it's published on August 11th. As we look out to the remainder of the year, the steady recovery of our OEM and aftermarket businesses, the growth of HPDI in Europe, and the upcoming production launch of HPDI in China are keys to our success. Now I'll turn it over to Richard to review our financials.
3: Thank you, David. As David described in the financial highlights at the beginning of the call, during the second quarter, our revenue was 36 million, which was a year-over-year decrease of 46.4 million. The decrease was mainly driven by COVID-19 related factory closures and reduced customer demand. As we discussed in our first quarter results call, our facilities in Italy were closed in April and reopened in early May. We were also impacted by the temporary closure of our HPDI Launch Partners facilities in April. As most of our businesses have now reopened, we are seeing improvements in demand and are expecting moderate recovery through the remainder of the year. Perhaps most encouraging is that we are seeing stronger HPDI orders than previously expected. Consolidated gross margin for the quarter decreased by 7.1 million or 37% to 12.2 million, compared to 19.3 million for the comparative period in 2019. Gross margin decreased due to lower overall sales during the quarter and contractual HPDI price reduction. Offsetting the sales decline was a 7.7 million dollar insurance recovery recorded in the current quarter which related to the 10 million dollar charge we took in the first quarter for a field service campaign for the replacement of pressure release devices consolidated operating expenses for the quarter ended decreased by 14.7 million to 10.5 million or 58 percent operating expenses were lower due to government wage subsidies compensation reductions and reduced spending in the current quarter in addition, we had an unrealized foreign exchange gain of 3.6 million due to appreciation of the Canadian dollar. Net income of 3 million increased by 5.3 million compared to the second quarter in 2019 as a result of a 7.7 million dollar insurance recovery that I spoke about, lower operating expenses due to government wage subsidies, salary reductions and the higher foreign exchange gains. And this was partially offset by lower gross margins and lower earnings from our CWI joint venture. We saw a similar improvement in EBITDA compared to the prior year quarter EBITDA increased by 5.2 million from 4 million to 9.2 million. After adjusting for non-cash and non-recurring items, year-over-year adjusted EBITDA decreased by 1.9 million from 8.1 million to 6.2 million. Excluding the insurance recovery, adjusted EBITDA would have been negative 1.5 million for the quarter. Turning to our business unit performance, OEM revenue was 19.1 million during the current quarter, which decreased by $25.6 million year over year, mainly due to facility shutdowns and the HPDI price reductions. We expect to see a recovery in sales during the second half of 2020 as HPDI sales volumes returned to pre-COVID-19 levels and continued to grow. The OEM business segment generated operating income of $1.1 million during the quarter, and this was mainly due to the $7.7 million insurance recovery. The independent aftermarket generated revenue of $16.9 million during the quarter, a decrease of 20700000 million year-over-year, mainly due to the shutdown of our plants in Carrasco and Albinea, Italy, during the pandemic. On an optimistic note, customer demand has been recovering steadily over the past three months. Due to austerity measures taken by management and wage subsidies, the operating loss in the independent aftermarket business segment was 1.2 million and not a larger deficit. TWI's operating income decreased by 32% year over year due to lower sales driven by OEM factory shutdowns and reduced customer demand due to COVID-19. The equity income from the joint venture was $4.1 million, which was down 31% year over year due to lower CWI earnings driven by a 21% decrease in sales. Now turning to liquidity. During the quarter, we had a net cash outflow of $10.2 million. Our operational cash flows were impacted by reduced sales volumes from factory shutdowns caused by the pandemic and a buildup of inventory as a precautionary measure to secure our supply chain. Further, we were also impacted by lower dividends from CWI. During the quarter, we also made our annual royalty payment to the Cartesian Group, which was partially offset by a new financing secured from Unicredit under the Italian government liquidity decree. In response to the financial impact of the pandemic, we have also taken actions to reduce costs, obtain wage subsidies from governments and other support programs, and delay non-critical projects and capital expenditures. We executed against our plans to finance, refinance the company to improve liquidity and our ability to finance the growth of the company. Over the past several months, we have successfully completed over $50 million in new financing and refinancing, which has significantly improved our liquidity. Over the next year, we will continue to evaluate our financing needs to ensure alignment to the long-term growth plans of our businesses we are confident that our action plan will provide us with the necessary liquidity to meet our obligations as they come due and provide the capital to continue to grow our business with that i turn it back to you david
2: thank you richard to recap we remain focused on a few key priorities for the second half of the year the successful launch of hbdi in china continued cost reduction new light-duty and heavy-duty OEM businesses in key market geographies. Profitable growth of our light-duty business through both aftermarket and OEM channels. Despite the near-term uncertainty, a strong reg- regulatory ecosystem is still there, and so is a strong desire for a green recovery. I'm confident in our team, and we're committed to delivering. Westport Fuel Systems is market-ready, tested, and gaseous fuel vehicles have achieved scale in many market segments with the potential of renewable gas to offer net-zero carbon solutions we are ready to be part of the economic recovery. With that, I'd like to turn it back to the operator to take your questions.
0: Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star, then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. Once again, to join the question queue, please press star, then one, now. Our first question comes from Eric Stein of Craig Hallam. Please go ahead. Hi,
4: David. Hi, Richard. Morning. Morning. Um, So I appreciate all the color. I I was just wondering. Um, you know, maybe buy end market, take it a little further, uh, would love to, you know, just hear some discussion about trends you're seeing by segment um, early here in third quarter.
2: So just to get started, yeah, thanks for your question, Eric. Uh, generally, we're seeing, you know, the recovery that uh, we we're hoping for. Of course, steeper would have been better. But uh, month over month, we we do see uh, the markets coming back, and so that's encouraging. I think you know this speaks more than anything else to the fundamental need we have as society for transportation, whether it's of people or freight. Uh, we uh, we need our vehicles, and uh, and then we need them to be clean. And so I think uh, overall, we're we're happy to see the market coming back, and, and that's looking good. Uh, we do see uh, a stronger recovery uh, on the commercial side, so on uh, commercial trucking and uh, with our HPDI product than we do on the on the consumer side. And uh, But we think that's just uh, a timing thing. More than anything else, uh, people can uh, defer their purchases, and I would say people were harmed uh, by the COVID crisis around the world in a significant way, and it, it takes some time for that to come back. But uh, overall, uh, the green recovery that we see uh, and the actions that governments are taking uh, are really supportive of, uh, of our mission to help clean transportation. And so on a long-term basis, we feel good. And uh, in, the, in the near term, um, we're, uh, we're pushing very hard to, to see that recovery come back across all the segments.
4: Yep. Um, good. And, and maybe just, um, you know, digging in on HPDI a little bit. Um, you know, I, I know you've always had the issue where you're a a step removed from the ultimate um, fleet customer, but I would love to just get your thoughts on the confidence there. I mean, you're clearly more confident there than in the other parts of their business. I mean, do you attribute that to that there's some pent up demand and, you know, so you took a quarter, a quarter and a half off because of COVID and, and now things resume or is there something else to that dynamic?
2: Well, I would say, um, It's really important in the in the commercial trucking industry around the world, just to think about some of the fundamentals. So, you know, Fleet goes to buy trucks fleets using trucks and when you have what we have happening in Europe with uh, incentives like Germany has to uh, basically exempt natural gas trucks and extend that to 2023 I mean, that is a huge economic impact. We have to understand that in the world of trucking, these are businesses that are working to move freight for their customers and make money doing it. And so when you have an advantage uh, like a, a road toll tax exemption, and then you look at the fundamental advantage that our technology offers in all markets around the world of saving money on fuel, which is such a substantial portion of the cost. You know, if we go back 12 or 18 months, we were talking about, you know, the product's new. And, and people are, are testing it out or trying to buy one or two. And we're, we're moving beyond that phase, uh, which is really uh, what we've anticipated and looking forward to, where basically fleets are saying, no, I've heard from the other flight, I've seen, and I heard about this roll of tow tax, and all these factors are coming together to drive demand. In, in previous calls, I've mentioned the fact that we were coming up on the conclusion of the baseline measurement period for the CO2 standard for commercial truck uh, companies in uh, Europe. And that uh, that deadline came and went uh, at the end of Q2, and so the baseline is now established. And uh, if you dig into any of those reports, you can see that long-haul trucking has an absolutely fundamental weighting of on the order of 70 80%, depending on what exactly you, you categorize as long-haul. But it's really the factor in having OEM be able to achieve their targets in 2025 and 2030. And so now, as I mentioned in my comments, there the race is on to to meet those targets. And so I think all those factors are coming together to be really um, supportive of our business and the growth of that business. You know, uh, yeah, got so, it. So overall, we're we're uh, we're pleased about that dynamic playing out uh, in the market right now.
4: Yep. And then my last question, um, and and you you kind of read my mind there, but on the baseline now being set. Um, so it sounds like part of that is your current partner um, now is is really incentivized to push um, on HPDI. But uh, curious how that's starting to impact or continuing to impact conversations with new potential partners.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the most important thing here that uh, I was worried about in the COVID period and, and has not come to fruition is that uh, no one is backing down. From the requirements in 2025 and 2030 with respect to CO2 emissions from commercial trucking, or for passenger cars for that matter. And so, uh, you know, like like it is on your mirror, objects are closer than they appear. It's coming, right? It's it's uh, we have this deadline as an industry. We have these penalties that are looming, and we have this need in the in the world to uh, clean up transportation, reduce CO2. And uh, I think the markets and our our customers, prospective customers, are increasingly recognizing that that we can help them meet those requirements. and, uh, And certainly our lead customer is showing the way.
5: Okay,
0: thank
4: you.
5: Thank you, Eric.
0: Our next question comes from Colin Rush of Oppenheimer. Please go ahead.
6: Thanks so much. Um, you know, do you or can you provide us with any sort of visibility on um, when you expect uh, orders to begin uh, in, in China and, and how that cadence might be? But obviously, you're very close with, uh, with your partner there, but I want to get a sense of if you've if you been any indications around timing on mean, that at all.
2: Yeah so thanks for the question calling the you this morning. Uh fundamentally uh, we've received orders and filled orders so as a you know filling the pipeline of product. So uh we know our our uh, uh the actual commercial launch of engines and then vehicles is on the horizon it's coming um but the acceleration of those orders is pending the actual certification release from the Chinese uh, authorities and so uh, that is, as you know, it's been kind of a first. There was COVID, and then there was this, uh, let's say, bureaucratic challenge, and so we've had, uh, I would say, a significant delay in that regard that we we uh, we don't appreciate and had to work through. And hopefully, the last step of working through will happen. But we've already uh, received orders, and we'll fill those orders uh, to basically fill the pipeline so we can start production, or so our customers can start production, their customers can start production. Um, but these, uh, okay. yeah, we're 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 missing a piece, as you as you can appreciate.
6: Yep, yeah, uh, got it. Okay. Uh and then just shifting gears to the hydrogen, I appreciate the the commentary around that and the gas expertise. Um, you know, I guess can you speak to the opportunity near term as, as folks go through the early stages of, of vehicle development, you know, yeah, uh, you know, how engaged you are with those folks and, and what that, that opportunity might look like over the next couple of years and then you know how you start to think about content for vehicle uh as we get into some, you know, real, real viable solutions, you know. And, 2022,
2: 23. Absolutely. I think it it's a, you know, for us, it, it kind of seems like uh, uh, just another, if you will, right? Because we're in the gaseous fuels business. That's our specialization. And uh as I mentioned in my opening comments, you know, there is a there is a beauty and an elegance to the circular economy that, that hydrogen potentially has. And uh, but we're already a leader in that market, uh, primarily in the in off-road applications material handling with our customer plug power and supporting customers like Ballard. Um, but as I think about uh, how that unfolds to the point of your question, uh, there, we're working heavily with customers around the world that are pursuing this technology, um, You know, China, Japan, North America, and so forth. So we have a, a very uh, good um, engagement with customers that are developing products and we're supporting them strongly and uh yeah we're excited about the opportunity but i do have to be questionary in my kind of outlook because there's a lot of work to be done to go from prototypes to production to volume uh, on all these on-road applications uh you know i I think you're aware that in north america we have some fuel cell vehicles that are already in the marketplace um but uh it's it's a small small world and only a few refueling stations and in places like europe we have uh, very little so far so there's a, a fair runway to go, but we do think it's an important uh, technology support and a very big opportunity for our industry and transportation in general to decarbonize. And so while governments are supporting it and industry is supporting it, uh, we're there also to support it with the kind of components that they need to go along with the fuel cell and uh, and provide a system in total for delivering the fuel from the tank uh, to the fuel cell.
5: Thanks so much. Pleasure.
0: Our next question comes from Rob Brown of Lake Street Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
3: Good morning.
5: Good
3: morning. Uh, just wanted to, to follow up on the on the HPDI business. I think you talked about stronger order uh, activity you expected in the second half, and, and could you just maybe clarify that a little bit in terms of, do you see pre-pandemic levels uh, kind of getting back to there, or do you see growth beyond that? and um, so sort of how does how fast is that ramp looking to you at this point?
2: Yeah, thanks for the question, Rob. Good to hear you this morning. So the um, uh, fundamentally, as you know, from 2018, we launched to 2019, we saw significant growth and we forecast going into 2020 that growth uh, would continue and that we would see uh, further increases uh, as the product gains traction and LNG infrastructure builds out. And so that was kind of our plan. Uh, clearly, uh, the COVID uh, crisis pandemic there are actions around the world, the shutdowns of our customers, the shutdowns of our plants, this punched a big hole in our in our plan. Uh, but what we see actually is that uh, with the the, uh, the order that we're receiving in, in Q3 and Q4, we have an opportunity to to make up for those losses in total and perhaps uh, do better than our original plan. So there's there's lots of work to be done, and, and nothing's done until it's done. But overall, the the outlook is is quite positive for the, the next two quarters.
3: Okay, great, great. And and then um, I think you touched on it a little bit, but but just wanted to get a little more detail on the the activity by the industry in responding to these environmental regulations. Um, you know, how, how much are there other partners, uh, potential partners, looking at at LNG versus hydrogen, and and is it a is it a both um, kind of discussion, or is it or are they picking one technology versus the other?
2: I think one of the things uh, that's clear to to all the companies that we work with around the world uh, to explore, develop, and and bring to production our technology is that our technology is ready. It's validated. It's well known. Uh, it works. It has a low total cost of operation. The refueling infrastructure is there, and their customers are seeking it. So. Uh, this this is mounting day by day, quarter by quarter, and uh, we took of course a big pause because of COVID in terms of that that groundswell and that activity uh, as customers uh, and us we all you know constrained our our uh, uh, working hours and and you know focused on uh, keeping our companies going in, in the COVID period. So we're seeing that come back, and you know now time has passed and the requirements of 2025 and 2030 are closer than they were before the pandemic. And uh, so I think we're a known quantity. There's been a lot of discussion, as you know, in Europe around um, hydrogens right there or electrification's right there. We should do that and we could just skip LNG. I think there is a growing realization that, uh, that, that those products aren't available right now and uh, that 2025 is closer than, than you thought and um, that our product is something that's ready, can be deployed uh, in response to that. So I'm overall bullish and... Uh, Don't have any announcements to make today, but look forward to the chance to make those announcements in the future.
5: Okay, great. Thank you. I'll turn it over. Thanks, Rob.
0: Our next question comes from Amit Dayal of HC Wainwright. Please go ahead.
5: Thank you. Uh, Good morning, David. Good morning, Chair. With respect to you know, your China efforts, you said you've received orders, but not shipped them. Is that, uh, is that correct?
2: Well, So we've received and shipped some, and we've got some still to, to, to build. So, uh, you know, this is a normal process, I would say, of filling the pipeline of uh, the pre-production parts and then production-ready parts and then regular order flow. We are not into the regular order flow at this point in time, uh, but we do have an order that's not yet filled that we'll fill uh, uh, likely in Q3.
5: Understood. So these are just like in the tens, not the hundreds. I believe. I mean, is that the way to look at it?
2: Yeah, I, I can't go into the quantities, but uh, they're 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 meaningful to us, and they're uh, representative of of the launch, uh, similar to what we did with our launch partner in Europe uh, two years ago.
5: Okay, understood. That's that's good to hear. Um, you know, with these loans and grants, et cetera, that you um, you know. Uh, Taken uh, on in the past few months, are there any particularly restrictive terms of governance associated with any of that that um, you
3: know we should be aware of? I mean, no, there, there's no. We're just regular commercial terms. Nothing uh,
2: restrictive. Okay, understood. Yeah, frankly, the the then, a lot of the loans we've gotten have really improved our cost of capital and extended our maturities, and so. Uh, the the government-supported financing has been really, I would say, friendly to industry, and so uh, we were uh, pleased with what was on offer and uh, glad to have been able to secure it uh, with our team in, in Europe, for example, and, and the support of UDC also.
4: Understood.
5: Um, and then, um, you know, with respect to um, sort of the recovery you're seeing, you know, you're back in. So sort of, um, you know, all your locations are open again, you're, you're functioning, I guess, at somewhat normal levels probably. You know, from here, do we uh, see sort of sequential improvements for the remainder of 2020, um, you know, compared to what uh, we did in the second quarter?
2: Yeah, so the, the, the crystal ball, of course, is never perfectly clear. Uh, but what we are seeing, is as Richard mentioned, kind of month-by-month month improvements back towards quote-unquote normal levels um i am there's there's a lot of uncertainty uh in the market still you know we have the daily reports of new outbreaks and new lockdowns and, and second waves and all these things and this really does weigh heavily uh on the marketplace and of course i think people also look at all the all the spending done by governments and think about the general economy and unemployment so there's a lot of uh, anxiety and uncertainty uh, still to play out But so far, uh, you know, we're seeing step by step increases, you know, to have a 56 percent revenue drop in Q2, typically our best quarter, is a huge blow to our company. I'm very, very proud of the work we've done to to endure it and get through it with the liquidity measures and support of our governments and partners around the world. Uh, But we do see that recovery step by step. And we're hopeful that, uh, you know, by the end of this year, we can say that 2021 will be not just a normal year, but an up year for us. Understood. That's
5: all I have, guys. I'll take my other questions offline. Thank you. Thanks, Amit.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press star, then one. Our next question comes from Jeff Osborne of Cohen Company. Please go ahead.
7: Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, most of them have been asked, but uh, a couple on my end. Uh, I think you mentioned in the prepared remarks about a reduction in price with HPDI. Uh, did I hear that correct? Uh, can you just expand on that if I did?
2: Sure. As as a part of our long term supply agreement with uh, with Volvo, we did have excuse me with our European supply cuts where we did have some uh, uh, price reductions that were structural. Uh, the way you can think about that is low volume, higher price; higher volume, lower price. It's pretty normal in in the business, and we've been seeing those and having to explain those, if you will, as the quarter over quarter. Uh, margins have been uh, decreasing. The, the the fix to that, of course, is to continue the volume up curve and get the cost down and bring the margin back. And so that's firmly in our plans, and, and you'll see that
4: unfold in, in the quarters ahead.
7: I guess maybe I, I would have thought the opposite would have happened. If the, if the volumes were down, the the, um, the the price went down as well, but as the volumes rebound, I just want to make sure I understand that. W- yeah, so it's uh, of time or, or straight volume. Is there like great uh, points like every six months the price goes down regardless of volume or if they buy 100 units, it's one price. If it's 500 units, it's a different price.
2: Yeah, I can't go into the details of the contract, obviously, but clearly uh, what we've had is uh, uh, pricing at the start of production that's higher than pricing we have now. And uh, that that uh, that will stabilize. And then we we're doing the work to bring the cost down. Uh, so, it was more a time-based contract than a volume-based contract, but the fundamental was built on the volume, saying that the early units would have higher prices.
7: Got it. Okay. And then you mentioned uh, Italy on the passenger car side was starting to do better. Are there any other markets that you're seeing as green shoots?
2: Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we didn't talk a lot about it, we talked a little bit about it, but India is a very important market for us. and. and uh, you know they are I would say still struggling to come out of uh, the crisis uh, and the pandemic, but at the same time the uh, the standards there that changed the game in India uh, played out without a change to the schedule. so that is the change to brought Standard six and you know this is a story really where basically uh the the advent of Euro six brought Standard six means the cost of diesel engines. Uh, are going up quite dramatically because of the after treatment that has to be added to meet that standard. And uh, those costs being very high, people look for alternatives and natural gas vehicles are an excellent alternative and they already have a significant infrastructure in place. So uh, as a result of that, uh, we're seeing strong demand uh, for our products in that marketplace and uh, contacts from additional customers saying we need to offer the product. Can you help us? And so it's really uh, a very uh, positive sign for us that uh, the brought Standard 6 was not delayed as, as that came into effect right in the middle of, of the COVID recovery on April 1st of this year and, uh, and you know, so we're, we're excited about the opportunities in that market and already have a very strong position working with really almost every single manufacturer in India to, to help them bring their, their natural gas uh, products to the marketplace. You know, in, in that market, for example, there are some of our customers have dropped diesel and gasoline uh, entirely, and all they're offering is natural gas and LPG vehicles. And so those kinds of changes are really significant and uh, really uh, bode well for our business.
7: Makes sense. Uh, that's great to hear. And then the uh, the last question I had is, you made reference uh, to uh, a possible you know subsidy or support around green initiatives for transportation in Italy, and um, I, I think you even said details are limited, but um, To my understanding uh, some of the other countries in Europe that have had uh, COVID-related support for transportation was more around electrification. Is there anything in the public domain uh, out of Italy that would suggest that uh, LPG or any other gaseous fuel would be supported?
2: So our understanding of what's being uh, developed in Italy that I referenced in the opening comments was uh, a, a support structure for all sorts of technologies, including ours, which would also include electrification, hybridization, you know, if there's a fuel cell vehicle or whatever. Uh, so I think they're taking a, an agnostic approach and, and or even a comprehensive approach to those technologies that support their environmental goals and, and uh, incentivizing the recovery of those disproportionately, which is obviously works in our favor. You know, a key ingredient is the government can put it in, any government, Italian, anybody else can put it in a structure that says, here's an incentive for clean technologies, then it's really about uh, what customers want to buy, what they can use, and what's available for manufacturers. So if you incentivize something that's not available, then uh, that's nothing's that's going to happen. But our products are available in the marketplace and doing very well. So as an example, uh, earlier this year, pre-COVID, there was some huge increase in the number of natural gas vehicles registered in Italy. Uh, I forget the number. It was you know, above 50% increase in, in the registrations year over year. Um, Again, that was a pre-COVID metric, but uh, I think we quoted in our Q1 call, actually. But, uh, you know, so the the market's moving in that direction, and the kind of support we get from the government uh, then applies to many technologies, including ours. That's what we expect.
7: Perfect.
5: That's all I had. Thank you so much for the detail.
2: Pleasure, Jeff. Good to talk to you.
0: This concludes the question-and-answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to David Johnson for any closing remarks.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate everybody uh, joining the call. Uh, As you uh, can well understand, uh, not just us, but around the world, uh, COVID has been uh, an absolute uh, challenge for business, and uh, we're amongst that. I am very pleased uh, with the work that we've done to get through it, to take care of our, our team members, to support our customers as they close and reopen and they're changing demand. And, um, and uh, now we're seeing the recovery that uh, gives us hope that the future is a green future that we can support and grow into. So overall, um, you know, I think we're through this crisis to a large degree. There's still some uh, uncertainty in the future, but overall we're on a good path and I think we're well positioned to grow and prosper in the coming future. Thanks again for your time and support.